welcome to the WMBC 615 Service Broadcast, a ministry of Whitley Memorial Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Daniel, hosting on behalf of Brother Scott Gillen, our pastor here at Whitley, and also on behalf of the church. It is my pleasure to say hello and welcome to the broadcast. We're so excited you're with us. Just a few short announcements. If you've been listening for any period of time, you know that our last episode that we uploaded was a big change from the normal format. That's part of us revamping our ministry and wanting to bring the best content that we possibly can. So if you have any questions or comments on that or just would like to say hello, go on to the website, whitleymemorial.com, click on the contact us tab and send us an email. We would love to hear from you. I know for me, it always puts a big smile on my face. So just a few more things here and we'll get started. The message today is entitled, Witnessing. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17, talking about Paul and the church at Thessalonica. If you're at home and you're able to, I encourage you to have your Bible out and your notebook ready as we work through the Word of God. We encourage you to read along with us. That way you can challenge the scriptures with your own heart as well. And of course, pray right along with us. If you're driving, don't worry about it. We got you covered. Brother Scott, as we read through the scriptures, we'll bring those to you verse by verse by verse as he talks about them. So stay tuned, listen up. Let's head on over to Brother Scott for the message. Well, let's pray and let's ask God to bless our time in the Word of God. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the ability to preach tonight. Thank you for the ones that will listen to the message. And I pray the Holy Spirit would touch them tonight. I pray the Holy Spirit would encourage their heart. But also, Lord, tonight challenges. Bring revival to our midst. Bring revival to our church. Bring revival to our city, our country. Touch our church tonight. Touch the ones that will listen to the message tonight and give them a vision. I pray that you give them a vision. Lord, you said where there is no vision, the people perish. You've given us your word. And Father, help us to take it to people tonight. Now, Father, do a work here. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, Acts chapter 17 is where we're at tonight. I want to read. And what you have going on here in the first nine verses, you have the gospel going to Thessalonica. Or as some people would say, you have the starting of the church of Thessalonica. This is Paul and the missionary team going into the city of Thessalonica, winning people to Christ, starting a church there. Now, let's read. Look down at verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where it was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scripture. Now, again, notice Paul goes into Thessalonica. Now, if you will notice here, what's the first thing he do- does? or the first place he goes. He goes to the synagogue of the Jews. Why? His goal was to take the gospel to the Jew first. See, Paul had a method of witnessing. He'd go into the synagogue, he'd share Christ with the Jews there, and those who accepted, he'd give the gospel to them, and then he would go to the Gentiles. So he had a method of witnessing. But again, it was to take the gospel to the Jew first. If you remember Romans 1.16, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greeks. So that was his method, to the Jew first. He would take the gospel to them. Look at verses 2 and 3 now. We'll read verse 2 again, and let's add verse 3 with it. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Now, you know what Paul did? He told them about Jesus. He shared the gospel with them, where he talked there about the sufferings of Christ. That refers to the death of Christ. But then he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how Jesus is the Messiah, how, he, how the resurrection proved 
that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel. Look at verse 4 now. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Now, folks, one of the things I want to point out here, right here, is when you present the gospel, when you share Christ with people, it will produce results. Romans 1.16 states, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You say, what is the gospel? Well, you read it in the preceding verses. It's how that Jesus Christ died for sinners, that he was buried, and that he rose again so that you and I could have eternal life. And when you present the truths of Christ, when you present the word of God and give the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will produce results. You say, how do you know that? Well, listen to what he said in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Get that. Being born again by the word of God. Keep reading. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. The gospel is in the word of God. So my friends, when the gospel is preached, the word of God is given, people share Christ, it will produce results. Now you see in the passage, some people came to Christ. We see that there. And, but it doesn't say just some. It, all, it says so, uh, a great multitude and not a few. That means a lot of people got saved. A lot of people came to Christ. Look at verse 5 now. Verse 5, But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Now, what happens is, as soon as people started getting saved, and a lot of people started turning to Christ, opposition arose. And my friend, anytime there is a work for God done, there will be opposition. Mark it down. The devil doesn't want to people get saved, doesn't want to see people get saved. He doesn't want to see people turn away from their sin and their ungodliness and the false religion and the false idols of the world to turn to Christ. He doesn't want to see that. And he has his workers in the world that will work against the gospel of Christ and work against the work of God. Well, we see it here, unbelieving Jews. And so what they, they do? They got a group of people together and brought opposition against Paul and the missionary team. Notice it says lewd fellows. The idea of the word lewd there is evil or wicked or bad, of the baser sort. Now, that's kind of interesting, interesting, uh, um, interesting uh, word there. It refers to the marketplace. And it refers to a group of people that kind of hung out in the marketplace. They were loungers in the marketplace. And these were people that were ready. You go down there, you get them. They're ready to go out and cause mischief and do all kinds of bad things. So what happened is the unbelieving Jews went out and grabbed some of these people, got them to work with them, and they stirred up the city and they sought Paul, Silas, and some of the others that were out sharing the gospel of Christ. Now, you'll notice here it says they went to the house of Jason. Now, who in the world is Jason? Well, the Bible doesn't really tell us. All we understand here, more than likely, maybe it was where Paul was staying. And it was somebody who had gotten saved, become a follower of Christ. And Paul was staying there. So they went there to try to find Paul and Silas and the others. Look at verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying... These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Now, they could not find Paul and the others, so they grabbed Jason and some others. 
and brought them before the city magistrates. Now, I want you to notice what they did. They accused them. But I want you to notice the accusation. Notice the accusation of verse 6, that last line. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. The accusation. You know what the accusation was? They have radically impacted our world. And by the way, our world there more than likely refers to the Roman Empire. In other words, these men are having an impact on the Roman Empire. The idea there is that they were unsettled and disturbed things. And, and, and the idea is to unsettle in an allegiance to their civil or spiritual rulers. You know what they were doing? They were accusing them of sedition. You know what the problem was? The problem was people were turning to Christ. They were turning from idolatry. They were turning from false religion. As people came to Christ, the synagogue attendance was probably going down. Think about that. You get a group of Jews. Paul goes into the synagogue. He shares Christ. A bunch of people get saved. They're not going to attend the synagogue anymore. Synagogue attendance probably started going down. And, and what happened was, is people got envious. And that's what it says in verse 5. These unbelieving Jews got envious of them, and they stirred people up, and they accused them of sedition. Look at verse 7. Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Now notice that. Again, accusing them of sedition against the Roman government. The Roman government, talking about Jesus being a king. And can I tell you something? Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Is he not? Amen. Look at verse 8 now. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. You know what happened? The people got agitated when they heard this. They thought people causing sedition. Then verse 9. And when they had taken security of Jason of the other, they let them go. What did they do? They made Jason post bond. In other words, he had to put up some money to get released. Him and somebody else had to post money. Now, why did they do that? Well, some people have some ideas. Maybe it was to ensure that peace ensued and, and there would be no more problems. Uh, somebody said, well, maybe the reason they made them post bond is, hey, you know, we won't hurt you if you make sure Paul and Silas leave town. And if you'll notice in verse 10, that's the next thing that happens. They got Paul and Silas out of town. Now, that's in verses 1 through 9. That's the gospel going into Thessalonica. Paul and Silas, others on the missionary team, went in. They presented Christ. They preached the gospel. People got saved. There was opposition. Paul and Silas had to leave. But I want to draw your attention back to verse 6. Draw your attention there. And notice what it says. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Think about that phrase. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Think about that for a minute. Think about the impact the gospel was having. Think about the change that was taking place as a result of people hearing the gospel and getting saved. Think about the change that was taking place in people. Think about the change that was taking place in the cities where the gospel had been preached. Think about the change that was taking place in the temples. Think about the change that was taking place. And you read in another passage in Acts chapter 19 to where people quit buying idols because of it, of the change that was taking place. Think about the things that were going on as a result of Paul and the others proclaiming the gospel, going city to city to city. There was an impact that was being made in the Roman Empire at that time, in the cities of Rome. An impact. You know, somebody says that 
you know, when you see this down there, you see Paul's work going from city to city. Many people have called it missionary journeys. And if you want to see where the gospel was going in that day and age, I don't know if you have a Bible like mine, but most Bibles, if you buy a Bible, in the back of the Bible, there are maps. There are maps. And one of the maps that is included in most Bibles, and it should be in yours if you have a Bible that has maps in the back, you will find here, it's called the Missionary Journeys of Paul. And you'll see that there are either, it depends on who you have and whose map you have, you will notice that there are three or four missionary journeys. Well, what you see is you see the places where the gospel was having an impact. Paul going and preaching the gospel. Paul going and sharing Christ. But think about this. There was an impact that was being made by Paul and Barnabas at first, then Paul and Silas and the others that were part of the missionary team. How many ever others it was, depending on the time, but think about the impact that was being had in the Roman Empire at that time. But here's my point. They were making a difference. They were making a difference. Yes, there's an accusation that they would turn the world upside down. But you know what? That's kind of true. They were making an impact. Yes, people were getting upset as a result of it. But still, you know what was going on? They were flipping their world upside down for Jesus Christ. They were flipping their world upside down. They were making a difference in people's lives. They were making a difference in cities. Man, can you imagine what it was like when the idolaters got saved and turned away from idolatry? Can you imagine what it was like when the temple prostitutes got saved and quit working the temples? Can you imagine what that was like? Can you imagine the people that got saved there in Corinth? Man, think about it. He had there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this was 9, 10, 11, he starts listing some of these sins, and then he says, and such were some of you. There was a change that was taking place. They were having an impact in these cities for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as I thought about that, something hit me. I got to tell you, and by the way, that's not the main thing that brought this thought up, but I thought about this. This thought just jumped out at me, and I thought, wow, wow, think about this. Should not we be seeing this in our world today? Should not you and I be doing this in our world? Shouldn't we be impacting our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Shouldn't you and I be making a difference? Shouldn't you and I be turning things upside down? Shouldn't you and I be seeing people saved like this over and over and over again and people turning to Christ? Shouldn't you and I have that accusation thrown against us? that they are turning the world upside down. These people are, are wrecking things and they're doing these things. I'm not talking about bad things because these people are accusing them of doing evil when actually Paul and Silas and the others are doing good. Think about it. Think about it. Folks, how can we make an impact in this world? Think about it. We ought to be making an impact. We ought to be seeing things happen today. We ought to be seeing people saved. We ought to be seeing lives change. We ought to be seeing cities stirred with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to see businesses losing business when people get saved, when they're ungodly businesses. Amen? Yes. So how can we make a difference? How can you and I make an impact in this world? Right? Look at the text. Let me show you four things quickly tonight. I had a bunch more things written down in my original notes. But I'm going to show you four that I believe I can justify from the text or that we can see in our text. Number one, I want to give you four words tonight. Four words to think about. How can you and I make an impact in this world? 
How can you and I make the kind of impact that Paul and Silas made that we see right here? Number one, obedience. Obedience. Look at verses one and two. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as this manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Now, somebody's going to say, Brother Scott, I don't see a word about obedience there. Well, hang on. You know what was going on? Paul and the others were going preaching, sharing Christ in response, or let me say it this way. Let me say it like this. Paul and the others were preaching, going city to city, sharing Christ in obedience to the call of Christ. Think about it. They were doing this in obedience to the cause of Christ. Now, if you're in Acts 17, go back to Acts chapter 13. Look down in verse 1. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Acts 13 and verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manium, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. You know what's going on here? You have what you and I know as, or what we call today, the first missionaries, Paul and Barnabas. Now, you know, later on, Paul and Barnabas were split. Barnabas would take John Mark and go one way. Paul would go another way and take a guy named Silas, like we see in our passage. But this is the original missionary call. Look at verse 4. So they, being set forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So what's going on? The Holy Spirit said, these guys, I've got a job for them to do. You know what the job was? Look at verse 5. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their ministry. You know what, they're, you know what they were doing? They were, were fulfilling the call of God upon their lives. They were being obedient to the call of God. Not only that, look back in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, you'll see Saul when he got saved. Now, if you remember Paul, before he got saved, became the apostle Paul, his name was Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, he got saved or became a Christian. And in verse 15, Jesus said these words, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Think about that. Paul's job. His job would be to go and take the gospel all over the place and even to kings and to the Gentiles. Think about that. You go down then in the same chapter, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, and notice what it says there. Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, after he got saved, and it says, a straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. You know what he's doing? He's being obedient to the call of God on his life. He's being obedient. And the reason Paul was going city to city to city and preaching the gospel was out of obedience to the call of Christ upon him. My friend, I want to remind you tonight. I want to share with you tonight. I want to tell you tonight this. You and I have a commission also. You and I are to go out and tell others about Jesus. You and I have a commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Folks, we call that the Great Commission. The Great Commission. You and I have been commissioned and commanded to take the gospel to the world. Take the gospel to the lost. Take the gospel to those that need Jesus. 
And folks, if you and I want to make a difference in this world, if you and, I, you and I want to make a difference in people's lives, if you and I want to make a difference in our city, in our community, in the state of Tennessee, in our country tonight, if you want to make a difference, you and I need to be obedient, uh, obedient to the commission of Jesus Christ. We need to tell others about Christ. We need to be his witnesses. We need to win others to Christ. Folks, there's a word we are losing today that we need to get back. You know what that is? Soul winners. We need to be soul winners. We need to be winning souls to Jesus Christ. We need to be telling people about Jesus. We need to be opening our Bibles, sharing the gospel, bring and showing people how to be saved and showing them how to get saved, letting them get saved, and then getting them baptized into a church and then teaching them the truths of Christ. That's what we, you and I need to be doing. If we want to make a difference, we need to be obedient and tell others about Jesus. I got to tell you tonight, we are failing on this point. We are failing on this point. I saw a statistic today. I looked it up. Large Baptist group. Large Baptist group. And I looked up how many churches they have and how many baptisms they had. Now, the last year I saw was 2018, Brother West, 2018. I couldn't find 2019. We're in 2020, but it was a large Baptist group. You know what the average was for the number of churches they have? Are you ready for this? Their average was five baptisms per church. It's actually 5.19. I got my calculator out and added it all up. It was actually 5.19 baptisms per church per year for 2018. In other words, out of all the churches they had, each church only averaged five baptisms for the year. You know what that is? That is not even one every two months. Now, I know that was a large Baptist denomination, but let me tell you something. Can I tell you this tonight? Throw all the Baptists in, it's probably not even better. It's probably not even better. It's not just them, it's all of us. I got to thinking about us. When's the last time we saw somebody saved and baptized? You know, folks, if we want to make a difference in this world, we need to obey the commission of Jesus. How can we do that? How can we obey his commission? Well, we need to talk about Jesus. We need to go to those that are lost and tell them about the Savior. We need to share the gospel message. We need to get it out. You know, it, it, it's kind of like I, I was thinking about this. Uh, I, I was thinking about Facebook. I was thinking about uh, the podcast. I was thinking about the CDs. Things like that. You know, we have an opportunity down the road possibly to expand this a little bit. You know, I never dreamed this, you know, but I want to do it because I want to get the gospel out. I want to get it out. And then like Wednesday night, my plan is to preach on Jesus Wednesday night. That's my goal, to preach about Jesus, tell who Jesus is. And, and, and the next two Wednesday nights, I know for sure I'm going to be talking about Jesus. You know, if you've got a Facebook, you're following us here. How about sharing those messages with your friends, especially your lost friends this Wednesday night? Share those. You know, that's a good way. There's other ways, but folks, what am I saying? We need to reach people with the gospel. We need to tell people about Jesus. I got to hurry. So number one, obedience. How are we going to make a difference? By being obedient to the Lord and obeying his commission. Number two, second thing tonight, how are we going to make a difference? The second word I want to give you is knowledge. Knowledge. Look at verses two and three. Look at verses two and three. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Folks, notice here, Paul opening the Scriptures, 
showing people that Jesus had to die and be resurrected and that Jesus Christ, out of the scriptures, and by the way, all he had at that time was Old Testament scriptures. But he was taking people to the Old Testament and showing them who Jesus, excuse me, showing them about Jesus, telling them that Jesus was the Messiah. Folks, you and I, as I read that here, it, it, it shows me that you and I need to be knowledgeable of the scriptures and of the truths of Jesus Christ. You and I need to be knowledgeable. Folks, you and I need to learn the Bible. You and I need to learn it. One of the things I was thinking about the other day is we need to start reading our Bibles more. We need to start reading them more. You know, set a time a day to read our Bibles. You know, I'm not saying if you don't read your Bible every day, the Lord's going to come and whack you upside the head. I'm not going to say that. But you know, I think it'd be beneficial to us if we set a time aside a time every day to try to read our Bible and get into the Bible and pray. I think it would be beneficial to our lives, don't you? It would help us grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But folks, we need to learn the scriptures. Folks, there is a dearth of Bible knowledge today, a dearth of Bible knowledge. I still go back to that survey that I, I read last, Sunday, uh, last Wednesday night in the message, that survey. I'm still concerned. That still bothers me what Christians, quote-unquote Christians, believe about Jesus Christ. That, that I, 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 I can't fathom some of it. Can't fathom. Folks, we need to learn the truths of the Bible. We need to learn the gospel. We need to learn the truths of Christ. And we need to learn these things so that you and I can be skillful in the Word of God, Hebrews 5.13. You know, a person that just knows the milk and not the meat of the Word is not skillful, the Bible tells us. You know, I, I think about a guy in the Bible in Acts chapter 18 and verse 24. His name is Apollos. The Bible describes him as mighty in the Scriptures. Mighty in the Scriptures. And oh, wouldn't it be great to be mighty in the Scriptures where we could quote the Bible and know where to go, not necessarily just quote it, but know where to find things and open the Bible and see things and, 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 and you know, be able to use it for God's honor and glory. And folks, can I tell you something? The Word of God will produce results. What does he say in the book of Isaiah? His Word will not return. What? Void. It won't return void. You see in verse 4, when Paul presented the truths of Christ out of the Bible, it says, and some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. People got saved as a result of it. They got saved. Folks, Bible will we'll bring people to Christ. The Word of God will. The Gospel will. We need knowledge of the Word. Knowledge of the Word. Let me give you a third word tonight. Third words. Number one, obedience. We need to be obedient. Tell people about Jesus. Number two, we need to be knowledgeable. Knowledge of the Scripture. Number three, what about faithful? What about faithful? You know, I look at the passage here. The word faithful is not used. But one of the things you and I can deduce from this is that Paul and Silas and the others on the missionary team were faithful to Christ. They were faithful. Why? You say, how do you say that, Brother Scott? Well, here they faced opposition. They faced opposition. But when opposition come, came, they remained faithful. Look at verse 10 down there. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night into Berea who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now think about that for a minute. 
Paul just had to leave Thessalonica because of opposition. But now he goes to Berea, and you know what he does? Now, let me be honest with you. If, if some of us ran into problems, do you think we would not do the thing that brought problems again? No, we wouldn't do it. But you know what? Paul ran into opposition for preaching the gospel. You know what he did? He just went to the next town, and guess what he did there? He preached the gospel there. He remained faithful. Now, i got to be honest. It can be discouraging when people get upset with you. It can be discouraging when people, when people don't want to listen to you. It can be discouraging when you try to talk to people about Jesus and they're not interested. Or let's even look this way. When you try to say, hey, you need to be in church. Or, hey, especially to Christians, somebody says they're saved, quote, unquote, a Christian, and you talk to them about church and, and they use that old line, well, I can be as close to God away from church as in church. No, you can't. I had some guys years ago tell me, preacher, I want you to know I can be close to God on the golf course. And then they told me a story about their golfing out. They told me how one of them brought this brand new club, cost like a hundred and some dollars, and it was a driver or whatever, and he drove it, and the ball didn't do what he wanted to do, and he got mad, and he took that club, you'll love this, Brother Wes, and he threw it out in the woods. The other guy said, did you mean to throw that out in the woods? He said, yeah, I'm not using it anymore. Another guy started after it. You know, the guy threw it in the woods, raining down to get that club back, you know? And it was, that's a true story, you know? And, and I looked at him and I said, you know, you weren't thinking about Jesus at that moment, were you? <laughs> no. I know it's discouraging today. Lackadaisical Christians, people that don't seem to care about the loss, they don't care if anybody goes to hell. You know, the Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Endure hardness. Yes, remain faithful regardless of what everybody else does. Regardless, you may think you're the only one. You're not. But be faithful to Christ. Be faithful, even though some may reject the message. You may witness somebody, and they won't get saved. Hey, can I tell you, not everybody I've told about Jesus got saved. Not everybody I've talked to about Jesus gets saved. Some people don't want to hear the message. Some don't. But folks, I want you to understand, some people will believe, but some won't. I think about Acts 28, 24, where it says, and some believe the things that, which were spoken, and some believe not. And folks, you and I need to be faithful, even though the world continues in sin, even though the world continues to go crazy, even though it seems like things in our world are flipping upside down and, and you don't know what to believe here, there, or whatever. But you know what? You and I can still be faithful to Christ. Folks, we need to be faithful to the Lord. We need to be faithful to the Bible. We need to be faithful to witness. We need to be faithful to church. We need to be faithful to give of our time. We need to be faithful to give of our offerings to God's work. We need to be faithful. Faithful. If we want to see God do something, if we want to flip the world upside down, these that have turned the world upside down, if we want to do that, we're going to have to be faithful. And then last, last word tonight. Last word. I want to give you the word power. Power. It's not in our passage either. But I want you to think about this. Paul was obedient. That's why he went city to city preaching the gospel. He was obedient. Obedient. He was knowledgeable of the scripture so that he could tell people about Jesus. He was faithful even though opposition arose. But I want you to think about this last word, power. And I thought about 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You say, what's there? Paul talks about how he went into the city of Corinth to tell them about Jesus. He tells us about it there. You know, and I really get encouraged by it because Paul opens his heart up a little bit. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, down to verse 1, he said this, And I, brethren, 
When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declared unto you the testimony of God. I know some people today, they say, well, bless God, I can't talk very well. I can't do this. I can't do that. Paul said, I didn't have excellency of speech. I wasn't the best talker in the world. Verse 2, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Like I think it was J.B. Phillips said, Paul's telling you right there, his knees were knocking. Paul was nervous when he went into town. Man, there were places Paul probably went where he was afraid maybe he'd get killed, you know? Verse 4, though. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Did you catch that? When Paul went into these cities, he didn't go in with his own message. He didn't go in with his own oratory. He didn't go in with his own cute little plans. You know what he went in with? The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit. Paul's missionary journeys, he went from city to city. Here we have his entrance into Corinth, but it was with Holy Spirit power. And I wonder if Paul went city to city with the power of God. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus Lord who hath enabled me, empowered, gave him strength. Folks, that's what we need today. We need that power. Acts 1.8 says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. Folks, we need that Holy Spirit power today. And that power is the result of the filling of the Spirit of God. We see it in Acts 2 and Acts 4. And folks, you and I need to be filled. Ephesians 5.18 says, but be filled with the Spirit. And that filling comes as a result of prayer. Folks, if we want the Holy Spirit power, we're going to have to be filled. And in order to be filled, we need to get on our knees and pray. Pray for that power. Pray that God would enable us and fill us and give us the power of God to witness and tell others about Jesus. Give us the power of God to make an impact in this world. Not as a name for ourselves, but to glorify the Lord and bring others into the kingdom of God. Folks, we can make a difference in this world, but it's going to take obedience it's going to take knowledge of the scriptures. It's going to take faithfulness on our part. And it's going to take the power of God. We need his power. I read a story a while back, and I've been saving this for a while. It's an incident in the life of D.L. Moody prior to the Civil War. D.L. Moody. And, and the story goes that one night, D.L. Moody was going home from his place of business. It was very late, and it suddenly occurred to him that he had not spoken to one single person that day about accepting Christ. Now think about that. D.L. Moody tried to talk to somebody every day about accepting Christ. Boy, I think it's good if we try to make how many contacts a week, you know? You know, I've, I've set some goals for myself making contacts. Maybe not talking to lost people, but contacts every week. Maybe all of us need to do that. But anyhow, he had not spoken to one single person that day about accepting Christ. He said to himself, here the day is lost. I have not spoken to anyone today, and I shall not see anybody at this late hour. It was so late in the evening, he didn't think he would see anybody. But as he walked down the street, he saw a man standing under a lamppost. The man was a perfect stranger to him, even though, come to find out, the man knew who D.L. Moody was. Knew who he was. D.L. Moody stepped up to the stranger and said, Are you a Christian? The man replied, That is none of your business, whether I am a Christian or not. If you are not a sort of preacher, 
I would knock you together for your impertinence. Wow. Wow. Threatening. Mr. Moody said a few earnest words to the man and then passed on. The next day, the man Moody talked to went to one of Moody's friends who was a prominent businessman. And he said, that man, and this is what he said, he said, that man Moody of yours over the, on the north side is doing more harm than he is good. He has got zeal. He stepped up to me last night, a perfect stranger, and insulted me. He asked me if I were a Christian. He has got zeal without knowledge. Mr. Moody's friend thought he would do him a favor, and he sent to him and said, Moody, told him about the man coming to visit, and he said, you're doing more harm than good. You've got zeal without knowledge. You insulted a friend of mine on the street last night. You know what happened to D.L. Moody? He went out of that man's office somewhat crestfallen. He wondered, did he have more zeal than knowledge? He wondered, was he doing wrong? Well, weeks passed by. One night, D.L. Moody was in bed when he heard a tremendous banging on the door. Banging on the door. He got out of bed, rushed to the door. He thought maybe the house was on fire. He thought the man was about to break the door down. He opened the door, and guess who was standing there? The man who he met on post. The man who he met under the lamppost. The man looked at him and said, Mr. Moody, I have not had a good night's sleep since that night you spoke to me at Unpost. I have come at this unearthly hour of the night for you to tell me what I must do to be saved. Mr. Moody took him in and told him what to do to be saved. The man accepted Christ. And then later when the Civil War broke out, ended up getting killed during the Civil War. Think about it. The man accepted Christ. Folks, be faithful. Some people may not want to hear it, but you and I need to be faithful to Christ. Tell you this story and I'm done. This just happened in 1998. A young man in an, in an American city was playing basketball at a, at a basketball, on a basketball court when he was shot in the chest. The bullet perforated his aorta. His friends helped him to the hospital, but they could only get him within 40 feet of the entrance to the hospital. 40 feet. The friends ran inside and they talked to the hospital staff and they said, we've got a friend outside that's been shot. He's bleeding to death. Can you go out and help him? The hospital staff said no. The hospital staff said that it was against the hospital's policy to administer aid to those outside the hospital. Eventually, a policeman was there, and he was able to get a wheelchair and wheeled the man into the hospital where he was helped by the hospital. But it was too late. About an hour later, this young man, who I've got the name of in front of me, died an hour later. He died an hour later. You know, the sad part about it is that's almost like churches. Many times it seems that churches are surrounded by people that desperately need to hear the gospel. Yet Christians are only content to share it if people walk in the back door. Folks, the need is outside the church. The loss 
needs somebody to go to them and give them the gospel. We can make a difference. But we're going to have to be obedient to the commission. We're going to have to learn the scriptures. We're going to have to be faithful regardless of what happens. And then we need that Holy Spirit power. Let's pray for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray tonight that I said something that would challenge all of our hearts tonight. Father, help us to make a difference in this world. People need Jesus. Our world's a mess. It needs the gospel. It needs the word of God tonight. The word of God has the answer to man's problems. Father, I just pray that tonight the Holy Spirit would challenge each of our hearts. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. I think that's a great challenge for us. Witness to those around us. That means our friends, family, and loved ones. Before we close out today, I want to tell you about some resources. You can go online to our website, WhitleyMemorial.com, and there at the very top, you can look through all those resources there. I encourage you to do so. And if you find something that you like, it's absolutely free to use. If you also have any questions, please email us. Just click the Contact Us button and send us an email. We would love to get back to you. If you're listening today, and you do not know for a fact you are indeed a child of God, you are a Christian, you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to also go online and look at the new birth. That is a great resource for new Christians, and I encourage you to read that thoroughly. And if, as I said earlier, if you have questions, or you would like to tell us you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please send us an email. We'll get back to you with any questions, and if you did accept Jesus Christ, we would love to pray for you. Because there is nothing more important in your first steps as a Christian than having an entire church family praying behind you. To close us out today, I just want to let you know where all you can find us. Obviously, you know about our website. Did you know we also have a Facebook as well as a full podcast? You can go to facebook.com forward slash WMBC615. That's our Facebook page. And while you're there, just like and subscribe. When you do that, every time we go live with the service, you'll know about it. You can join us. You can also listen live at podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Just search the WNBC 615 service broadcast in the search bar. It'll bring it right to us. Just subscribe. You can find the WNBC 615 service broadcast on all of the major podcast platforms. And if you would like to give to our ministry, first of all, let me say thank you you can visit our website and click the Give button at the top and bottom of the screen. Until next time, I'm Daniel, and on behalf of our entire church family here at Whitley, thank you so much for joining us, and may God bless you.